business banking shouldn't feel like another transaction. UMass 5's Commercial Services Division is comprised of business owners, so when it's time to make crucial decisions, we're ready with advice drawn from hands-on experience. Contact Jeff Simpson, CFA, at 413-256-5560 or visit umass5.coop slash business. Hello, and welcome to Business Talk, presented by Business West and Living Local. Brought to you by UMass 5's Commercial Services Division. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg, morning show host of the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS. And I'd like to introduce our host today, editor and associate publisher of Business West, George O'Brien. Thank you very much, Chris, and welcome, everyone. Today I'll be talking with Christina Royal. She is the president of Holyoke Community College in Holyoke. Christina, how are you this morning? I'm doing well, George. How are you? I'm fine. Another Zoom meeting for you. How many of these do you do in a day or a week or a month? It feels like just continuously on Zoom. It definitely part of the new norm. Uh, new norm. We're going to talk a lot about that today, and we, we do have quite a bit to get to. Uh, COVID-19, uh, it has impacted every sector of the economy and every facet of life, but I can think of no sector that's been disrupted more than higher education, and we're going to talk a lot about that today. Let, let's just start by talking about uh, how the spring went. Uh, classes were um, shut down in March, thus began a new normal for you. Commencement would have been, what, about two weeks ago? Yeah. Tell us how the spring went. Well, it certainly was not the spring we were expecting, and um, we realized pretty quickly that we had to really pivot and um, focus on supporting students remotely and modifying our teaching schedule to also be remote. And in that process, um, we had to, to transition thousands of students off campus um, and really help them get situated with the resources that they needed virtually to be able to finish the rest of the spring semester. So it was pretty intense. Um, we managed to, to move the entire college off campus within a two-week period of getting our staff and faculty off campus uh, during spring break and then also to be able to work with faculty to get the professional development that they needed to be able to prepare to teach remotely following uh, the two weeks after spring break. Do you have a schedule in mind for the fall? Do we have a schedule in place? We do. It's going to certainly be a schedule that requires adaptation based on whatever the conditions of our environment look like at the time. But as we focus on planning, we are planning on being remote, but also with some blended offerings. We are prioritizing our academic offerings internally uh, to see which ones would get first priority for our ability to return students to the cam- campus in limited amounts. And um, so, for example, uh, our programs that have accreditation requirements and uh, certain programs that are not, we're not able to offer at a distance. For example, 
you can't do vet tech surgery online. So um, those things require face-to-face engagement. So we are working through a plan to ensure that as we have from the start of this pandemic, put the health and wellness of our employees and students and community first and um, ensure that we will have the right safety parameters to be able to return limited number of students to campus in the fall. But there will be a significant schedule that is remote for the fall as well. Let's talk about your students for a minute. Many of them are non-traditional. Some of them are traditional, but um, they were impacted by this pandemic in a number of ways, not just online learning, a lot of them probably going to say the vast majority of them work. Um, Some of them were probably laid off or furloughed, had their hours cut. Talk about the many ways that the pandemic has impacted your students and how you've had to react and help them through this. Well, George, as, as you know, on any given day, we have students who are low income, food insecure, housing insecure, have transportation issues, and childcare issues, among others. And that was before COVID-19. This pandemic has been highlighting these inequities as the virus is disproportionately impacting our low-income communities and our communities of color. We also have students with significant um, limitations with technology um, and Internet connectivity, and we've had to ensure that we can distribute, purchase, and procure ourselves uh, several Chromebooks and laptops to be able to issue to students so that they were able to continue learning at a distance. Many of our students prefer the face-to-face classroom, and we have all of the supports and services available on campus, and uh, this um, this transition was challenging in terms of being able to ensure that we could provide all the same types of support and services for our students remotely, including uh, tutoring and, um, again, adjustments with technology and as well as advising support and, and other ways. We also needed to start delivering food to students in their homes um, to try to limit the foot traffic on campus, uh, but ensure that, you know, all of these factors go into a high-quality learning experience and to have students have to struggle with these additional impacts have been challenging, and that's just educationally. Obviously, our students are also working and raising children um, and uh, raising multiple uh, generations um, within their family units. And it's been, it's been particularly challenging to, for the students to be able to focus on their educational pursuits during this pandemic. But I really commend them for their incredible resiliency and adaptability to be able to finish out the semester. Now, there's no playbook for this. That's a phrase that you hear over and over again from business owners across this region. There really is no playbook. How did you go about putting all these programs in place? Were there 
associations you leaned on? Did you talk with the other community college presidents and other college presidents? Uh, talk about how your team put all this, these programs in place. Well, the the first was really having to make sure that we had our priorities straight, and that was ensuring that we were focused on um, health and wellness first and foremost, and so really needing to, to get people off campus. It was uncomfortable, but, again, um, our priority was um, uh, limiting the conditions in, in which it could spread on our campus. So um, so getting people off campus and getting them uh, the resources that they needed for students to learn, uh, for the faculty to teach, and for the staff to support students uh, was was absolutely critical. Uh, and then also really focusing on providing hope and encouragement for folks because it's during times of uncertainty, there's a lot of fear uh, and apprehension and confusion. And uh, I really wanted us to really focus on our values, uh, kindness, inclusion, trust, particularly kindness and recognizing that everybody was dealing with personal and professional struggles. Um, we have people who, whose family members were impacted by COVID. Um, and so uh, recognizing that everybody in, in a pandemic like this um, is going through individual struggles as, as well as also trying to help others. So that, um, that really was uh, the driving force behind um, focusing on getting everybody to band together to um, collectively work for the greater good of, of getting our students through and for our administration getting um, our employees through. Okay, this is Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West and Living Local, sponsored today by UMass Fives Commercial Services Division. We're talking to Christina Royal. She is the president of Holyoke Community College. Christina, uh, a big issue in higher education today, especially at community colleges, is seeing students through to completion. And completion is a word that sometimes means graduation, sometimes it doesn't. How has the pandemic impacted those efforts to get students all the way through from beginning to end? Well, it's generally um an area that we spend a lot of time focused on retention is a huge priority for the institution and for community colleges um, across the Commonwealth. We are um, working with a wide variety of students. And as you know, we have um, such a diverse student base, um, not only uh, racially, but also in terms of working adults and traditional age students, high school students through our dual enrollment program, um, students that are looking for uh, credentials and um, rather than degrees. So there are a wide variety of constituencies that we serve. And um, the, the goal is to ensure that we understand what the student's goal is and to be able to work towards supporting them through it. And in a time like this, uh, it's really important to enhance the communication since we're not able to physically get together. And uh, this uh, pandemic has also um, created a lot of isolation that people have felt um, not being able to roam about the world in the same way. And so we started forming HCC care teams and 
We have been calling all of our students every week since the pandemic started through the end of the spring semester. And the purpose of that was to try to reduce that uh, feeling of isolation and uh, recognize that there are people here who are um, working to help them see it through and also to give people an avenue to uh, articulate whatever their needs are. And their needs have been um, great, um, greatly um, different from the typical needs. We have had an increase in use of our student emergency fund and uh, that's a vehicle that we have to be able to support student with unmet financial need um, that will create barriers to uh, their progress in school. And so uh, we've been um, communicating this fund out to students so that uh, they can take advantage of whatever uh, types of needs and submit that uh, to be able to continue their education. So, for example, we had someone said that they didn't have a desk at home. And um, so we can get them a laptop, but if they don't have a place to put it, then, uh, again, it, it creates some uh, some barriers that um, maybe you or I wouldn't necessarily think about um, in, in an educational experience. Talk a little bit more about retention. I know it's early. It's, it's only mid-June. How are the numbers looking for fall? Are a lot of these students going to be able to come back, given all that they've, they're up against? Well, uh, we know that there are a lot of students who are still thinking and, and trying to figure out what their plans will be for the fall, and that is reflected in our numbers. Um, it was the same pattern that we've seen for summer as well, um, which was a little bit slow uh, to enroll, um, but we are about flat right now, and we still have a second spring, excuse me, summer semester. So we expect that that will continue to increase. And I think as colleges are starting to make announcements about their fall plans, then uh, students will feel fully informed. Um, ACC announced very early our plans. Uh, to go remote with uh, some limited in-person as available so that we would ensure that students would have the information that, that they needed to be able to make a decision for the fall. Um, we do expect that there will be some students who perhaps were university-bound or bound for four-year colleges uh, that, that may make different decisions and um, decide to with their community colleges. However, um, it's uh, the fall is still um, several weeks out, and we um, um, are watching the numbers closely. Well, you hit on something important there. There are a lot of questions about uh, how much appetite students and their parents will have for spending fifty or $60,000 a year at a four-year school where they may be getting online learning or they may not get the full experience that Thinking is that community colleges are going to benefit from this because parents will say, okay, uh, let's, when we see this now, uh, parents, uh, smart parents anyway, would, would, would say, let's take the first year or the first two years at a community college and then we'll transfer. I mean, do you see a potential benefit? From, I hate to use the word benefit in connection with a pandemic, but there might be some opportunities for community colleges here. Sure, and uh, this is the same message that uh, we um, communicate 
um, even when it's not a pandemic, is the value of students starting at a community college. It really sets students up to transition with a lot less debt to whatever four-year college that they want to graduate with their bachelor's from. And um, perhaps now with the pandemic, there um, there's a additional cost consciousness. We know that there are families that have to make decisions between sending their uh, child or children to very expensive four-year institutions and make decisions on balancing their own retirement. And so um, this is a way for them to start their educational journeys, get high-quality education at an affordable rate with smaller class sizes, with nurturing faculty, with great staff that support them, and a range of support services. And then they are set up to transfer to whatever college or university that they desire. And we're seeing a lot of students who even graduated this year that um, are are bound for their um, their four-year institution, and um, they've gotten a great start at HCC. And so I, I think that it is an opportunity for folks to recognize the value of community colleges in um, being able to start that that educational journey. Okay, this is Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West and Living Local, sponsored today by UMass Fives Commercial Services Division. We're talking with Christina Royal. She's the president of Holyoke Community College. Uh, we're talking about uh, community colleges in general, uh, the impact that the pandemic might have on them moving forward. Uh, Christina, let's talk a little bit about the, the state budget. There is talk now, quite a bit of talk about Revenues being down, possible cuts to public higher education. Uh, this has to be disconcerting to the state's community colleges. What What is the word? What are we hearing at this point? Yeah, we know that the revenues are down statewide, and uh, they are um, bracing for um, somewhere between a 4 and $6 billion deficit. And uh, we certainly are having conversations about reminding them of the investment in public higher education and the value to the Commonwealth. When you look at HCC alone, we did an economic impact study a few years ago, and it showed that our annual impact to our region is $214.6 million. And um, if you multiply that times 15 community colleges in the state, um, it's a, a multi-billion dollar impact. And I think um, while we think about higher education and public higher education and specifically community colleges as educational leaders, I think it's also important to think about us as leaders in workforce and economic development we are the economic engines for the Commonwealth, and we create pipelines of workers um, while also serving key regional employers ourselves. So um, our job is to be able to help our employers succeed by making sure that they have the talent to be able to hire the people that they need to, and um, our focus is on helping to get the Commonwealth stimulated again. But at the same time, uh, we do recognize that um, the state is, is bracing for some sh- shortfalls, and uh, we're, um, we're trying to remind everybody about the, the value of investing in public higher education. 
Mm-hmm. Two more quick ones. Uh, I've talked to a number of business leaders about this. This has been an extreme test for all of them. Uh, you've been at HCC for, I believe it's four? Three and a half years. Three and a half years. What, what has this been like? How has this tested you, and what have you learned about yourself? Yeah, um, this this has definitely been a challenging time, I would say. It was challenging when we were just dealing with COVID-19 and this pandemic. It's also been challenging with the murder of George Floyd and now Rayshard Brooks and um, and all the all the others that have come before them um, in dealing with and, and, and highlighting some of the challenges that we have with racism in our society and the racial injustice. And, um, you know, our job and our role in this is as an educational leader. And I, I believe that education is the path forward. And so we need to continue to play a, a role in, in helping to not only continue to focus on ensuring that all of our students, um, regardless of who they are coming to us, have an equitable chance of being successful, um, but that we can help uh, create a uh, Western Massachusetts region um, that also recognizes the value in uh, treating everybody equitably and um, and lifting up all voices um, regardless of of their background and lived experiences and um, so it's certainly um, certainly a, uh, a a challenging time in our world um, but I believe that we need to lead in lean into this pain and um, and I, I think we'll come out stronger um, it requires not only um, that commitment, um, but also action to change, and um, and HCC will do its part as well. One more. I'm not sure we can do this quickly. We're we're against the clock, but how might the pandemic change higher education even after the pandemic is over? People are talking about this in every sector in the economy as well. What are, what are some of going to be the long long lasting repercussions here? Well, there are many. Um, so. One aspect of the world that may be different is thinking about um, what kind of services that students want face-to-face and what kind of things that they want to access virtually. Um, I think this will also help us to strengthen our distance learning and online learning programs. Um, we certainly have a lot of um, non-traditional students and students that need more flexible schedules. And the ability for us to, to strengthen our ability to, to offer online learning um, is a, a positive opportunity out of this crisis. I also see uh, significant changes in the concept of teleworking and what it means for businesses to be remote, um, both uh, for the employers, their, their own education of um, their employees, uh, they might be accessing virtual learning uh, more readily um, than just face-to-face. I could see a lot of companies starting to think about different mixes there. Um, and uh, also, I think of the emerging opportunity 
for educating people on virtual teaming. You know, how do you lead a team that is dispersed across Massachusetts or uh, across Western Mass instead of seeing everybody physically in the same office in the same way? So uh, I think that there are going to be many implications for this pandemic that will stay with us for years to come. Well, thank you very much, and, and good luck to you with, with all of this. Uh, I know it's a really challenging time, and uh, congratulations to you and your team for getting to this point, and, and good luck next fall. Thank you, George. All right, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Remember to join us next time for another episode of Business Talk, presented by Business West and Living Local, sponsored by UMass 5's Commercial Services Division. Thank you. <laughs>